0: and we are back here on unusual sources 933 CFMU FM on the airwaves Hamilton and surrounding area and kojico channel 288 and streaming live at cfmu.ca our first live new interview about anti war stuff for the whole year. And I know a couple weeks ago I said we were going to have all our favorite guests on because of all the world events. We're going to have people like Eve Angler and Stephen Gowans and so on. And indeed we do. I believe we have Eve Angler with us on the line. Are you there, Eve? I am.
1: How's it going, Brennan?
0: Oh, very good, thank you. I mean, despite all the things going on in the world, there's been such resistance and protest to what the United States is doing, even uh, Canada's role in that. And, of course, you're among the very first people we would go to. You were right on the ball this month. You've got two articles alone about Canada's role in Iran. You have one on your blog at eveengler.com. Is it eveengler.com or eveengler.ca? Dot com. Dot com. OK. So it's on his blog, Evangler.com, but it's also an article in Canadian Dimension. Um, they've been putting out a lot of good stuff recently, and they have your article about what Canada's role has been in the last few years, especially under the Trudeau and Harper government. So um, I'm so glad that this material has been researched and made available by you. I mean, we're in a situation where Trump has initiated a major new crisis with Iran, and True to form, you have looked at the Canadian angle. So I noticed that you have a shorter article looking at the historical angle, sort of uh, what Canada did as a member of the previous empire, the British Empire, uh, because we are not an innocent actor in all this. So you're looking at how our politics were kind of being shaped by being a member of the empire, and it became interested in Persian oil and uh, that country's proximity to the then Soviet Union. So, you know, I hope that our listeners are somewhat familiar with what happened in 1953, but can you tell us about this coup, and especially Canada's role in getting rid of the elected Iranian leader?
1: Yeah, so basically, uh, the you know, the British Empire had uh, interests in, uh, in Persia going back, uh, uh, you know, early 1900s. Um, but... Uh, in the post-World War II period, as the as the uh, uh, you know oil politics, the major oil interests in, in Iran, and uh, as a nationalist forces started to uh, demand uh, a bigger proportion of the of the uh, the, the revenue of the uh, uh, income from from their resources that were being exploited by uh, British uh, companies, uh, the the London did everything it could to try to push back against this. Uh, these movements in Iran, and um, uh, you know, these were huge, incredible profits were being were being. Uh, uh Taken out of the country by uh, uh, British oil interests, and uh, and uh, Canada's uh, foreign policy at that point in Iran was was run by Britain. Uh, the British embassy was was uh, was uh, in charge of Canadian diplomatic relations, and you find that uh, Canada's foreign minister Lester Pearson, uh, his comments in the House of Commons were very much aligned with British interests. He you know complained about how uh, these emotional Iranians uh, weren't understanding that others had legitimate interests who had administered their uh, their well-being of the oil industry um and so he very much was critical of uh, of of uh, Iranian nationalist uh demands for greater uh, uh proportion of the oil profits and uh and uh, Canada would participate in the in the blockade of Iranian oil as a way to pressure the Iranian government um against uh against nationalizing uh, uh its oil and uh and the, the British Try to oust uh, Masade on, a, on a, a few occasions, and then ultimately, it's a British-American um, alliance that would uh, would oust uh, Masade in '53, and they would, you know, pull all kinds of different uh, tactics, from you know, funding opposition groups, funding people to attack religious leaders, and blaming it on uh, Masade. They would, you know, it was a very multifaceted uh, uh, CIA operation, and the Canadian government. Basically, uh, you know, went along with it, and it echoed the, you know, its public statements echoed the the, the supporters of the coup, and then Canada would uh, establish diplomatic relations with Iran in 1955, and then go about doing uh, business for multiple decades with the Shah while, wow, you know, vast human rights violations, Canadian business interests, Canadian political uh, relations, uh, Canadians working in Iran and the Iranian oil industry would, you know, all increase all the way up in through, through the uh, through the 1970s and towards the, uh, the the 1979 revolution.
0: Right. So Canada helped participate in an embargo and measures to weaken the elected government in Iran in the early 1950s. They encouraged the coup. They s- The government said it was satisfied with the results. It was happy it did business with this coup regime and sold them weapons and so on and did everything in line with UK and US foreign policy and supported this dictatorship that eventually led to a revolution and this current government that exists now. Now, I guess to a lot of Canadians, maybe this is ancient history, even if it's not ancient history to the people of Iran. Uh, But, you know, you've been watching what Canada has been doing very recently in the last few years, because it's been a continual policy of trying to bring Iran back into the fold to make them give up and join and do what we say for them to do. And in this case, um, you were looking at the Trudeau government and before that, the Harper government. And one of the themes that I gathered from your article in Canadian Dimension was that the Trudeau government has used more flowery language with regard to Iran. It has tried to portray itself as a a more compassionate actor than the Harper government. But ultimately, the Trudeau government has been continuing these anti-Iran policies of the Harper government. So... Uh, if that's the case, you know, what? Well, how about the sanctions? We, we've we been involved in these punitive sanctions for a long time, so what has Canada, and especially the Trudeau government, what's their approach been on these sanctions we have against Iran?
1: Well, they, they withdrew some of them with the, with the signing of the uh, Iran nuclear accord, uh, but maintained uh, a number of others, um, and... Uh, um, they continue to, uh, you know, list Iran as a, uh, a state sponsor of terror, uh, um, one of two countries uh, alongside Syria. Uh, they, you know, they have they have said and done almost nothing against these, you know, wicked American sanctions. Right? The American sanctions have, you know, designed to basically cripple the entire well, the entire economy, but more specifically, the oil and, and any company that does uh... any country other countries company that does uh... business with with Iranian oil, uh, they, you know, sanctioned them, and so it's, it's you know, trying to basically force the whole world to go along with their uh, their sanctions campaign. Canada has also legitimated American sanctions, of course, through the arrest of the very high-profile arrest of the, the, the chief financial officer of uh, Huawei. That right, that,
0: that would be Ms. Ming. I, you know, I, I yeah. loved reading that in your article because it, it highlights what you've been saying. I mean, a lot of us know about this background of hideous sanctions against Iran that's imposed on them by this U.S.-dominated world order and you know a lot of there are people that would prefer not to be part of these sanctions and not go along with it but Canada we legitimated these sanctions in in one strong respect when we arrested Meng Weng Zhao from Huawei Um, so she she had been according to your article she had traveled um, across a number of countries six of them had a U.S. extradition treaty any of them could have rendered them into the hands of or any any of them could have rendered Meng into the hands of the United States, but only Canada was dumb enough to actually do this. Is that right?
1: Yeah, well, and additionally, I'm just taking this from a Global Mail report, and the Global Mail said that uh, that uh, also they talked to Mexican officials. She was actually just at the Vancouver airport en route to, uh, to Mexico City, uh, I believe Mexico City, somewhere in Mexico, and... Uh, and uh they talked to Mexican officials, and they said, "There's no way in the world we would have given her up if the Americans would have uh asked for her extradition so 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 there was this is you know it is a sign of how close uh Ottawa and washington work and and I think it we should go even you know further with this this just Point out how the, how the and I haven't seen anyone mention this in the in the media how the the liberals have justified this is that we're a country that stands up for the for the rule of law. Well, the American sanctions that's why we have to have that you have this extradition treaty with Americans and so we have to you know detain her and possibly send her to the U.S. But the the sanctions the Americans have against Iran, of course, are completely illegal. So they're claiming this this you know that they're defending the rule of law while they're really upholding you know American. International criminality, but but so that's just one element of you know Canada's legitimation of the sanctions against Iran. I mean, just they're they you know accusing. Uh, this a statement put out a few days ago by a foreign minister, um, uh, and they're, they're accusing Iran of breaking the the uh, the uh, Iran nuclear deal. They're, they're aligning with with the Germans, British, and, and, and French. Uh, um, taking Iran to to uh, to to the dispute mechanism of the Iran nuclear deal. Well, you got to walk us
0: back a little bit because I mean I remember we we're hearing uh, all these glowing words about the Iran nuclear deal. So we were going to get them to uh, put all these restrictions on their use of nuclear energy and development of nuclear technology, and uh, so they would restrain themselves in all these ways. And in return, we wouldn't sanction them anymore, and there might they, we might give them some help and whatever. So that had been going on, and that that's the past. Though, right? Because there's been a lot of change since then. Yeah, well, I
1: mean, basically, the agreement is basically we'll stop crippling your economy if you make these agreements around nuclear energy and Iranian enrichment and whatnot. Now, the, the Iranians have fulfilled the agreement to a T by all serious analysis. The Trump administration withdrew from the agreement, of course, you know, a year and a half ago. And the, the the European countries, alongside Russia and, and China, but the Western European countries, say they still believe in the agreement, but they basically haven't done what's needed to be done to allow Iran and european companies to you know have have business relations so so but they but they're demanding that iran continue to comply with the agreement so from the iranian perspective it's like well you continue to cripple our economy but you're going to force us to 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 apply uh, you know to to follow these uh these are part of the agreement and and the canadian government has ostensibly they believe in the Iranian nuclear agreement but in practice they haven't been willing to do anything that pushes pushes against certainly against the Trump administration's policy on this or pushes against uh, you know def- defends you know supports the Western European governments to really you know to break away from from the Trump administration and now they're they put out this release a few days ago basically blaming Iran uh, for the for the for the demise of the agreement which was is, just is totally uh, um, uh, totally ridiculous but this is just part of the this, this, you know, policy, and I think that the element that's the most stark in all of this is the just clear breaking of promise from the Trudeau government. The Trudeau government, on multiple occasions, before being elected and then after being elected, repeatedly stated that we will try to restart diplomatic relations with Iran. That has not happened, and that has not happened because um, the Trudeau government has not you know, taken this uh, seriously enough, and, and certainly once the Trump administration withdrew from the Iran nuclear agreement, they've, not, they've been you know, very fearful of pushing back against that. Also, there's been you know, lobbying uh, from the Center for Israel and Jewish Affairs against uh against uh restarting the uh, diplomatic relations with Iran. So the the, the Trudeau government has, has you know broken its promise of of doing the absolute bare minimum of uh of restarting diplomatic relations with Iran. And and that's a you know that's a total outrage. That's an outrage uh you know because this is, it's 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 craziness to not have diplomatic relations with you know the 18th biggest country in the world. Uh, we had diplomatic relations with Iran throughout the Shah's time, when there was, you know, incredible killing going on uh, in Iran, and you know, it was it was a, it was a uh, you know a, a U.S. backed regime that was, you know, responsible all kinds of human rights violations. Um, but but the so the Trudeau government hasn't even uh, come forward on that, on the diplomatic relations, and that's kind of enabled all kinds of other um, you know uh, policies. And and then I think in in in, uh, in recent days with the uh, with the, you know, uh, killing of uh, of uh, Soleimani in, in Iraq, and and uh, the Trudeau government, you know, hasn't been 100% behind the rhetoric of Donald Trump, but effectively they have they have really been, you know, about blaming Iran um, uh, for for this uh, for what really is just a you know naked American uh, aggression.
0: Yes, it's sad. It seems to me that Canada is following in the footsteps of the European poodle countries, you know, where like the JCPOA, that's very revealing. So Trump backs out of the agreement. And um, what you have then is a situation where European countries are saying, oh, Iran, you know, we're we're not going to give you what we said we're going to give you anymore. We're not going along with it, but we need you to continue uh, restricting yourself you know you you got to hold up your end we're not going to hold up ours uh, for those who are just tuning in we're speaking with eve engler and uh, eve has written two articles recently on iran and you can read about uh, those articles on his blog eve it's y-v-e-s-e-n-g-l-e-r dot com and you can look him up in this month's edition of canadian Dimension magazine online. He's been writing about Canada on Iran. And I guess what we have here, Eve, is what you have described as a low-level war. Canada seems to be waging a low-level war on Iran, and it's being done on behalf of our relationship with empire. And there's a number of ways. I mean, there's the sanctions, and we haven't even fully explored that. You couldn't even do that in an hour, how devastating these are. But um, they've done other things too. They've seized Iranian property, uh, seized Iranian money. And what gets me is these military provocations. So Everything that the Saudis and the Israelis do, we seem to back that to the hilt. But here we have Canadian military officers going on conferences and talking about the danger of Iran. You have the commander of the Royal Canadian Air Force participating in a panel that's called Watch Out Iran. We've got 500 soldiers in Iraq. So can you tell us more about this military confrontation that's going on?
1: Yeah, I mean the, the low-level war against Iran. This is something I've been talking about for for a number of years with regards to the, the the Harper government. The Harper government very much was involved in a low-level war against Iran, and and we've mentioned a series of elements of that diplomatic relations, sanctions, uh, listing state-sponsored terror. But but additionally, they were constantly sending Canadian naval vessels. Uh, uh, Close to Iranian waters, running provocative maneuvers. Obviously, there was Canadian troops in Afghanistan, and and, and you know we've been reported on. And one of the reasons, uh, you know, Iran and Afghanistan border each other, and that there was, uh, you know, they're paying attention to Iran. That was one of the motivations of the Canadian troops in Afghanistan. Now, now the the, uh, the there are still Canadian naval vessels patrolling in the region. So there is a, there's a I haven't seen any reports that have talked about. Those leading to conflict with Iranian uh, military in in, in recent uh, months, but but I presume there's still some element of that process going on. Now now uh, the the uh, Trudeau government, um, after it got elected in, in in late 2015, it of course increased Canadian special forces um, um, in Iraq, uh, supposedly to 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 fight uh, Islamic State ISIS. Now in that in that uh, dash and that. Canada and Iran to, to a large extent were sort of in, in alignment on, on, on that policy um, so the Canadian special Forces in, in Iraq today I wouldn't say that that's you know principally motivated by trying to trying to target Iran um, but I think that may be somewhat in the background but the mission that the the Trudeau government began in November of 2018 the NATO training mission in Iraq that I think is very much um, designed um, and I haven't seen this deeply explored, but, but, but that it's designed uh, to uh, uh, push back against the Iranian-aligned uh, popular mobilization, mobilization forces, the Shia militias that played an important role in, in fighting uh, Daesh or Islamic State. And, and so, so the Canadian troops, uh, at least half of, part of the Canadian troops um, in Iraq are there, with you know uh, that that kind of the game of you know weakening weakening Iranian influence in Iraq uh, uh, going on so so there's, there's you know there's a sort of uh, low level kind of military uh, um, uh, conflict uh, going on and, and it's not it's basically never reported in, in our media as, a, as if that's the you know The motivation, The motivation, of course, is always just framed as we're trying to help the Iraqi government or whatever you know, wonderful thing Canada's trying to do with, with helping the poor of Iraq. Um, but in fact, I think it's you know, partly a diplomatic. The, the thing with regards to the, the um, Iranian assets in Canada that were, were sold off, about 30, $30 million in Iranian assets that were sold off uh, uh, September, in the fall Um, this is something that's just, you know, it got reported on, I think global news did one or two stories about it, but this is, this is, this was like front page news in Iran for apparently for multiple days. Um, and, and this is, this is really scandalous. And basically they'll, because of the, um, the, uh, listing Iran as a state sponsor of terror and because of the, um, uh, legislation that the Harper government brought in, which I'm Something that's titled like the uh, Torture Victims Act, uh, something like that, Victims of Terror Act, or something like that. Uh, the, basically, it allows uh, people who who claim to have been uh, victimized by by terror to sue uh, that country uh, um, uh, uh, to get assets from that country. So basically, there are some Americans who who have family members who were victimized by. By hezbollah in the late 1980s and the early 1990s um, and uh, victimized by hamas i believe in 2001. um they w- they've been able to sue the iranian government in canadian court and get iranian assets in canada um, because they're claiming that iran no one's claiming that iran you know was responsible for these deaths but that iran backed hamas hezbollah um, who who are responsible for the deaths this is a total you know this is a total scandal this is just just an outrage from the standpoint of like basic uh international law and and uh, um, you know accords about uh, Diplomatic uh, entities and and whatnot, and 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 the Trudeau government, while the Trudeau government's not you know directly responsible for this because this is legislation that came in beforehand, um, the Trudeau government stayed completely silent about this. Trudeau government you know could have again could have restarted diplomatic relations, could have taken Iran off of the 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 uh, list as a state sponsor of terror. Um, You know minimum it could have just you know made a diplomatic comment that that, you know, the Supreme Court's decision is, is wrong. Now, when you look at this question, if you were to take, you know, a parallel, I mean, there, there, there would be many, many, probably into the millions of victims around the world um, who are of American, you know, terror or, or Israeli uh, terror, or even for that matter of Canadian uh, terror or, or you know, human rights violations, that would have to be way more legitimate to be, you know, pursuing Canadian, American, Israeli uh, assets um, for the fact that their family members had been had been harmed um then then uh the case of these americans for Uh, you know, purported uh, Iranian uh, responsibility. Well,
0: yeah, I mean, they're going after uh, Iran for activities that were allegedly carried out by militias that are indigenous to other countries, Lebanon or Palestine, and now they're they're taking Iranian money because of this, whereas you point out, I mean, you could go directly after Canada, directly after the United States, directly after Israel, directly after Saudi Arabia for victims of, you know, illegal cross-border military actions that have occurred in great frequency. In the last few decades,
1: and and this is the fact that this can happen with, with like no comment from the NDP, no basically no comment from the from the dominant media is just you know a sign of this how uh, far down the path we are in you know Iran is the enemy. Anything that ha- anything that's done to Iran is is you know legitimate, um, and and it's you know it's the mindset of this. This low level war that is, um, you know, been going on for, for multiple years. The Trudeau government, you know, promised that they would, they would dial down. They would, you know, go in a different direction. Uh, but they're continuing. And, and, and one of the stark examples of that was the resolution back in mid 2018. It was a private member's bill, uh, in the House of Commons put forward by a conservative, uh, MP. And, and basically it was a statement, uh, calling on the government to stop uh, um, setting up, start, stop the process of developing uh, diplomatic relations with Iran, and to list the Iranian Revolutionary Guard as a, as a terrorist organization, which essentially just lists the Iranian military as a terrorist organization, um, and also in this resolution they they, they blamed Iran for the uh, the March of Return protest. Taking place in in, in Gaza, um, as if the Palestinians were protesting, um, you know, the Iran was, Iran was to blame because Palestinians were protesting for the end of the siege of Gaza, to you know, to you know, call for the the right of return and the other uh, demands of the you know uh, the protest movement in Gaza. But this was you know this was and liberal peace uh, uh, mostly supported um, this this resolution, and it's just a, you know just a sign of how extreme uh, you know every year there's there's the Iran accountability week in the House of Commons where where the uh, the foreign affairs committee participates in this Iran accountability week and they, they bring in all these uh you know uh, Mark Dubowitz from the Foundation for Democracies uh, um, you know who who are all these people who are behind the the American uh, uh you know throwing out of the Iran nuclear deal and stuff like that so there really is just this whole uh, uh campaign taking place uh, within official Canadian politics, uh, of, of, you know, low level war against Iran. And, uh, and I think that the, uh, the anti war movement in this country needs to really, uh, to ramp up its, uh, its, uh, its activity to, you know, push back against this, this kind of, uh, craziness before it goes to a whole other level, which is, clearly some elements of the Trump administration uh, want to take it to.
0: Well, thanks, Eve. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, the sad truth is we've seen the consequences of this low-level war on Iran already, because after this crisis that was precipitated by the assassination of General Soleimani, you had this air tragedy, and uh, I think it was the Taylor report that mentioned where was the Canadian diplomatic staff and Canadian diplomatic personnel to advise people on air travel safety and you know what the kind of conditions and flight safety and so on there's usually diplomatic personnel on the ground telling Canadians what the right uh, you know measure is but of course as you point out in the article we have of course cut these diplomatic relations and not restored them which of course in a time of crisis doesn't lead to positive results it leads to a worsening of the situation and negative consequences Um, and And I think you're right that the the anti-war movement needs to get on the ball and get the the government to take a much, much, much better position on this because you've shown just how one-sided, how absolutely one-sided and, and negative our government's policy is. There are going to be anti-war demonstrations occurring uh, this weekend, actually, um, this Saturday, the 25th. It's the Global Day of Action in protest of Trump's actions and protest of the U.S. war and this ongoing war and the various illegal aspects of all of this. So that's going to be happening in, in cities even across uh, Canada. We have Hamilton at the Federal Building, uh, 55 at Bay Street, uh, That's going to be 1 o'clock p.m. on this Saturday, uh, Federal Building. Uh, There's going to be, you know, uh, speeches and uh, signs and messages about our opposition to this policy. And you can find information about that on the website for the Hamilton Coalition to Stop the War at H C. SW.ca. It should be on the front page right now, and it will be on the sidebar as well if you can't find it. So the Saturday demonstration information is there. And, of course, individual cities such as Toronto or Winnipeg or places in Quebec, people should be checking their local anti-war group websites because there, there very likely are demonstrations in the major cities. So, Eve, I know we got to get going, but um, I understand you have a new book coming out, um, of course, also about Canadian politics. What, what little can you tell us at this stage about what is coming out in terms of your new book?
1: Basically, it's a uh, it's a critical account of Justin Trudeau's foreign policy. Um, so it deals with the first four years of, uh, of the Trudeau government, and uh, and uh, unfortunately, um, you know, I, in 2012 I did a book uh, about uh, uh, Harper's foreign policy called "The Ugly Canadian: Stephen Harper's Foreign Policy." Uh, this book, I was Planning on title, uh, titling it uh, "The Ugly Canadian: uh, Justin Trudeau's Foreign Policy." Ultimately, we've we've switched the, the title of the book, but but unfortunately, the parallels between uh, the uh, the Harper government and the Trudeau government are are much too close. Um, um, and I would say, even uh, you know, for myself, who was not uh, uh, particularly uh, um, you know had, had that much belief in, in Justin Trudeau before before he got elected. I would say um it's even you know worse than I would have uh, uh, expected in terms of just how how similar their policies are. And so basically the book looks at you know Harper's Trudeau's foreign policy from uh, from their you know campaign to overthrow the government in Venezuela to obviously their Iran- Iran- Iranian policy to their continued support for the mining sector um to their anti-Palestinian policies um and also I think it deals with uh Maybe unlike my the book on Harper, I deal with some of the uh, the ideological, the kind of the framing of how the how uh, Trudeau has tried to you know frame their their policies, be it a uh, you know a feminist foreign policy or their support for international rules based order, and I and I show just how I mean just how. Uh, certainly with regards to the international rules-based order, this is just a, uh, this is just a farce. I mean, they, they, they defy the international rules-based order uh, over and over and over again, and they've, you know, failed to engage with all kinds of important uh, efforts by other countries to, to strengthen the international rules-based order. Well, the, I mean,
0: the, the, where where's the condemnation of the premeditated assassination of General Soleimani and officers of the Iraqi Popular Mobilization Units? That was obviously a grave crime and violation of the what's supposed to be the international rules-based order. So was Trudeau out yelling about that? The,
1: you know, Exactly, and and not it's not just Trudeau. I mean, the all the, the media from the Globe to the Hill Times to the Wall to all the you know the serious media. I'm not talking about like the, the, the self-identified serious media. They they'll repeat this stuff about them supporting international rules-based order while never bothering to investigate it. Like you know the the, the Meng Wanzhou case is a perfect example where they they, they claim they they're, they need to arrest her. In, to uphold the rule of law, when the, the whole process is clearly reinforcing American you know, criminality, American defiance of the international rules-based order. But this, you know, it's just un, unstatable in the, uh, in the dominant media. So the, so the book looks, looks at some of this and, and, uh, and also you know, looks at the, the question of the why, which is we have to grapple with this. Is, this isn't a question of Justin Trudeau, Stephen Harper, even for that matter, if it's you know, Jagmeet Singh. This is a question of Canadian political culture, the you know structural, institutional uh, forces in this country that lead us towards these types of uh, policies.
0: Well, that's a very good last point, Eve. Uh, just as you re- referred to in the article about how European countries fell in line with what Trump wanted to do, and of course Canada did as well, so it is that our media fell in line. And so when Trump does this horrible thing that few people expected, uh, and it leads to this huge crisis, innocent people get killed and the media just falls in line and oh, we have to uphold our international rules-based order. You know, <laughs> uh, It's a good thing we have people like you around. There's only a few critics, but uh, the work is extremely valuable. So thanks. I recommend everyone go and read the two articles that Eve Engler wrote about Canada and Iran. There's definitely more forthcoming. It's eveengler.ca. And of course, he has a new book coming out. Maybe you'll see that in Hamilton. So you know, stay tuned. Keep your eye on Eve. We have... Uh, some resistance, uh, some progressive and anti imperialist commentators in Canada, and of course, more in the United States and elsewhere. And uh, you'll be hearing from a number of them here on Unusual Sources. So, Eve, thanks so much. Thank you so much for being with us on the program today.
1: Thanks a lot for having me, Roddy.
0: That was Eve Engler, and I hope he's familiar to our listeners. And I hope more people try to do their own investigation on Iran canada how does canada approach countries like iran syria what can we do and what you can do is you can go out on saturday and demonstrate in hamilton at the federal building at one o'clock p.m so don't forget go to hcsw.ca for more information so uh there is some more commentary about anti-war stuff coming up we're going to have a musical break i like this track i found so we're going to going to do that and we'll be back